You're listening to the New Hope Church podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killy. Good morning. Uh, my name is Zach, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. And um, I've been dreading this day for a very long time. I want you to know that. Um, but it's finally here. It gets to happen. It's my turn now. Uh, I've talked about many not fun things to talk about during my stint here at New Hope. Uh, I've talked about adultery, and I've talked about sexual sin, and I've talked about divorce, and all sorts of fun things. But today is the most uh, not so fun to talk about of all, and that is the generosity sermon, the giving sermon, and uh, it's my turn. Here it is. So uh, here's the deal. We've been talking through 1 Corinthians, and the reason we're talking about this today is because Paul is ending his letter to the Corinthians, and do you know what Paul decides to end his letter with? Talking about generosity. It's, in fact, the last important thing he mentions before he gets to the, oh, and this, oh, and also this, like the PS kind of stuff. This is like the last thing he touches on, okay? Um, But before we get into that, I want to talk about, like, why this is so not fun to talk about. And, you know, I think the first big thing about about giving, about about, uh, generosity, about talking about that, is it's not fun to talk about because money isn't fun to talk about. Money is important, right? Like, uh, I don't know if you guys have gone to Subway recently, but if you recall the $5 foot long, it is no longer the $5 foot long. It's like the $15 foot long, okay? So if that gives you any kind of gauge of where we're sitting at economically in the world right now, it's it's not awesome, right? Like, uh, we're looking into buying a house. We've been saving up money, and like, we're not ready yet, but we kind of like, we like to shop around, look around, see what's out there, right? Hanging out on Zillow and Realtor.com. And I'm looking at these houses, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so expensive. And then I'm looking back five years ago, and it's like, a third of the cost, you know? So like, it's crazy where we're at right now. And so like, money is this important thing and our whole society runs on it. And so like, it kind of stinks to talk about because it's kind of personal and weird, right? That's the first thing. Here's the second reason why I think these sermons aren't fun is because so many pastors in churches screw up this talk. Bad, bad, okay? And I think it ranges. It's like a sliding scale of what that can look like, right? I think there's a lot of really good, God-loving, well-intentioned pastors that just don't know how to read the room or just don't maybe know how to talk about things in a tactful way or maybe just don't know what the Bible actually says about this. They kind of give their own little spin on it. I think that happens, and I kind of chalk that up to simple mistakes and arrogance, or ignorance, I'm sorry. Like, it's just bad calls, right? That's one end of that spectrum. The other end of that spectrum is like, 
uh, Kenneth Copeland asking you for your money so he can go and buy his $20 million private jet from Tyler Perry because he, quote, doesn't want to fly in a metal tube full of demons. He really said that. Um, Don't do that. That's bad. That's really bad, right? I hate that. I hate that side of it. I hate the, we need your money so we can run this church so I can go buy my Versace and Armani suits and go buy my Lamborghini. I hate that. It's disgusting. And it happens all the time, okay? So we got to get that out of the way too. In fact, I want you to know, my family left the church over a giving sermon. So I got a deep burn on this one, okay? We went to a church and it was great. We went there for like 10 years. And then we got a new pastor. And when he got there, he didn't have a truck. So all the elders got together and said, we got to get him a truck. So everybody pitched in. Everybody gave. And you'd think, what kind of truck would they get? Probably just like, you know, a nice used truck or something. Something he can move with. Something, you know, he's in Indiana. You need a truck in Indiana, right? What do they buy him? A limited edition Harley Davidson F-150. That's like a $100,000 vehicle in the early 2000s. That's insane. Not so long after that, hey guys, we need a new piano. Okay, cool. What's a piano cost? Well, we need a grand piano with a reservoir so it can, you know, humidify itself and it's going to be 80 grand. So we bought a piano for $80,000. And then they wanted to go on a trip. They wanted to go on a trip to, uh, to, to Vegas to go to a pastor's meeting, right? This big pastor convention. And they don't have the money to go. So we raise the money so they can go. And then when they come back, we start hearing stories. And we're like, it seems like the pastor thing was like this much of it. And the family vacation was like this much of it. And it was all church funded. And like, it's, it's getting gross. It's getting gross. But set all that to the side, one day he stands on stage and what's he do? He pulls out a piece of pottery and he says, I made this pottery when I was in high school and this means a lot to me. And we don't make enough sacrifices around here. So I'm going to sacrifice something that means something to me today so you can see that. So he sacrifices pottery on the, on the stage, which is like theologically incorrect in so many ways, but then passes it out to everybody in the room so they can remember to make their sacrifices. And we got up and we left and we never went back. Now, they've got it figured out since then. It's okay. It's a good church now, but it wasn't for a while. Point being, I have a really nasty taste in my mouth around this subject. And so I hope after hearing all that, you understand my heart on this issue and understand that I'm going to try and approach this very carefully and delicately. And I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. That's it. It's very simple. So let's get into it, and let's read what Paul says to, to the Corinth church. Um, it's 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 4, and he says this. Now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned, Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. When I come, I will write letters of recommendation for the messengers you choose to deliver your gift to Jerusalem. And if it seems appropriate for me to go along, they can travel with me. Okay, well, here's the thing I want you to notice right off the bat here. It doesn't seem like Paul's talking about a tithe. 
This doesn't seem to be money just to go to the Corinthian church. So the question is, what is this money going to? Why are they raising money, right? And the thing is, if you just read 1 Corinthians, I don't think you get that answer. So we got to jump around a little bit, and I think we can come to what I perceive as the best answer to what is actually happening here. Um, that means we've got to jump over to Acts eleven twenty-seven through 30. And it says this, um, as soon as I find it. During this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the believers in, uh, in Antioch, sorry about that, decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. This is my best answer to why they are raising money. There is a famine that has struck uh, the whole Roman world. Some are being affected more than others, and those in Jerusalem are in need for whatever reason. And so Paul is having them raise money to send back to Jerusalem, to the church in Jerusalem, so they can eat right? That's essentially what's happening here. So now we get a jump over again to 2 Corinthians 8, 13 through 14 to find out what's going on here. He says this, of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. So, the people in Jerusalem are starving. There's no food. And so what it seems like is Paul is going to Galatia and Corinth because they haven't been hit as hard for whatever reason, and they are doing better financially to the point that they can send money to Jerusalem so they can eat right now. And Paul's saying, I don't want you to give so you're in a bad position. I want you to give what extra you have, what you can afford to give to help your brothers and sisters over here. So maybe one day when you're hurting, we'll go to them and have them help you. We're helping each other. That's what's happening here. And then he goes on in 2 Corinthians 9, 1 through 8, and he goes on to explain how that giving should look. And I think it's really interesting. Um, he says, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem, because I know how eager you are to help. And I've been boasting to the churches in Macedonia uh, that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up so many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. But I'm sending these brothers to be sure you really are ready, as I've been telling them, and that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment, if some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all I'd told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. 
but I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. So what it seems to be saying here is Paul's not like hitting them up and saying like, hey, are you going to give me money? This is something that's happened a year ago. They said, hey, we want to send money. We want to help the efforts going on here. We want to help our brothers and sisters. And Paul's writing them saying, hey, I'm just, I'm just writing you to make sure we're still good for that. Because everybody's really excited everywhere else about how helpful you guys are being. And I just don't want to be telling them this if that's not still the case. So I'm sending my guys ahead to make sure this is actually the case. And I want you to remember, and this part is so key. I don't want your money if you don't want to give it to me. When's the last time you heard a preacher say that? Right? We don't want your money. Don't give it to us if you're being pressured. If you feel like we're pressuring you, if you're just doing this because this it's this compulsory, knee-jerk response, please do not do that. He's saying, I want what you have chosen to do. I want it because you want it. That is so crucial here. And so when we take all of these and we put them together and we read it, what do we see? I think it's really interesting we don't see anything about a tithe. Anywhere. What is this message? This message is people-centric. This message is about the body of Christ. And if we remember, that's been a theme throughout this whole thing, right? And Paul's saying, look, Right now, the leg is broken, so you need to use the arm to help heal the leg. You see what I'm saying? Like, we've got part of the body in need, and we've got to get it healthy, because later you may be hurting, and it's going to take them to help you. And I love how he caps it all off with, God's going to take care of you no matter what you do. But how's God choosing to take care of them? Through each other through the various members of the body, working together, taking care of each other. This is literally just the love the Lord your God above all else and love your neighbor as you love yourself. But it's playing out right now. And that's what Paul's talking about. That's super interesting. I also think it's interesting that when you start breaking down the whole I don't want your money unless you want to give it to us to use it. That's super, super interesting. Because like, if the Kenneth Copelands of the world <laughs> were to say that, they probably wouldn't be flying private jets, right? There's a lot of people out there that strong arm people into giving. There's a lot of people out there that make people feel guilty and gross and oh, you got to do it. You got to help the body. No, Paul's saying the opposite of that. Paul is saying, I want this to flow out of your heart because it's just what you want to do. It's very different from the way many people talk about this. 
But it's important that we realize that because what I'm seeing here is based on something Jesus says. Jesus says that where you store your treasure, that's where your heart is. And when we look at what the treasure is, when we, when we look at where that money's going in this situation, where's it going? To the brothers and sisters in Christ that need help. This is essentially, I want you to want to have each other's backs. That's what the Bible is telling us. This, this is an outpouring of the love God, love your neighbor. You see, if, if where we put our treasure is where our hearts are, that, that starts to get a little weird when we break it down and think about it in our own lives because I'll be very honest with you. Much of my time is spent worrying about how I'm going to pay my bills, how I'm going to take care of buying a house, right? How, how I'm going to be able to take care of a family in the future. Guys, I work two jobs. I don't just work here. I, I cut hair on, on the side. Like, I get it. We all get it. Everybody in this room has hurt for money at some point. Everybody in this room has had more than enough at some point, but we all worry all the time about us. And all throughout the Bible, you see things like, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. God's got you, God's got you. And the way he's got you is your brothers and sisters. They're here to pick you up and help you. And so that's where I'm landing on with this passage. That's what it's about. It's about you having each other's backs. It's about believers in Christ taking care of our own household first and making sure that the body is healthy. Because when we're all good, then we can go help people outside of the body. But we've got to make sure we've got each other's backs too. Do you see what I'm saying? That's what this is about. So this is the part where you go, Zach, why were you talking about like a giving sermon and all that stuff? Because we're getting there. We're getting there. This is a very different time. Um, at this point in the church, people are probably in churches of 20 to 50, maybe 70. And that's a big one, right? Churches. Not real big. And they're meeting in homes or public spaces, right? And so they don't have buildings they've got to pay for. They don't have lights they have to keep on because they don't have lights, right? <laughs> they don't have projector screens that put out the words so you can sing your songs. And those songs that you sing have, you know, these, these speakers and instruments that have to be here and microphones so you can hear the people talking and air conditioning so you're comfortable while you're sitting here and chairs so they're here while you're sitting here. And it's, oh, it's got to look good, so we got to decorate it nice. And, oh, and then we need computers to run that stuff. Wait, now we need people to run those things, right? And now you've got jobs and you've got people running books, and you've got all this stuff. And here's why I'm telling you all this, is because you're all sitting here right now, which means you've chosen to partake in this thing we call church in modern day world, whatever. And I'm not saying this is like the best way to do it. I don't know. I mean, if you guys all want to go meet in the park, and we can just sell this whole thing and do that, I'm cool with that, but I don't know that everybody's coming along. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of people like air conditioning. A lot of people like music. A lot of people like microphones. And my point is we've got all this stuff and we've got all these people running it. And this is how we collectively have said this is what church looks like in today's world. And we got to pay for it. It has to come from somewhere. That money has to come from somewhere. And if I'm being uh, completely honest with you, 
uh, you know, economy, not in the best place today. You all know that. You interact with it daily. And so, like, we are not in the best shape financially. We're not in the worst shape financially. But we're at the end of our calendar year. And my simple request would be, if you would like to give to us in whatever capacity that may be, we would accept that. Now, let me be very clear on what that looks like. That doesn't have to be money. That is where your time, remember treasure, right? What's treasure? What is our treasure? It's our time. It's our energy. It's our thought. It can definitely be our money. But it doesn't have to be, right? Here's the deal. We got, we got people that volunteer in Kidman that it's the same group of people all the time. And if I go ahead and I mirror that back to Paul saying, that's not equal. We need equal. Because later they, they can help you. You see, like, I, I put that on your heart. Say, maybe I could do that. We got all these fundraisers coming up. We got all these opportunities. We got ministries. If you've got a ministry that you want to lead, you want to run, guess what? We got people here that would be interested in attending your ministry. How can you edify your brothers and sisters in Christ? How can you build this place up? How can you spread the word? Have you ever invited anyone here? Have you ever invited anyone to come see your church, to come know Jesus? It can look like a lot of things. That's my point. And the reason I'm tackling this in this way is because I'm not going to sit up here and harp about money. I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. So I would simply ask you, just take what we read today and put it in the context of modern day church and go, what's that look like? That's why I'm giving you the whole big picture here. I'm going to leave that to you. That's it. That's all I'm saying about that. What I really want you to focus on is how can I spend my time, my energy, my resources to help my brothers and sisters in Christ around me, whatever that looks like. That means maybe that's not here too. That can be outside of here. That can be a lot of different things. But how are you spending your time and energy and money and resources on the kingdom of God? And are you, right? We all have to ask ourselves that constantly. Maybe that's simply studying scripture and knowing the words the next time you're on the street and you see somebody that you know needs Jesus, you can tell them exactly what they need to hear because you know scripture. Like it can look like so much. But the question is, where is your heart on this issue? And I just hope you'll think about that because that's something we all need to think about constantly. I am sorry that we had to do this today. I don't like it either. And, um, and I just want to let you know, if you're new here, uh, we never do this. Because like, I preach 50% of the time, and I've never done this in two years, which means either Randy does it a lot, or we hardly ever talk about it. And it's the hardly ever talk about it one. So sorry, this is the day you chose to visit if that's the case. Um, but at the end of the day, guys, have a heart for your brothers and sisters in Christ because they need you and you are God's choice of how he wants to bless the people around him. That's all I'm saying. Let's pray. Father, um, 
Thank you for your word. Um, please just help us to understand when, uh, when things are hard to talk about, to, to just understand your will, that, that we are one big holistic body and we've got to take care of each other. And Lord, I just pray that we'd be willing to take care of each other, to see uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ as that, not just people we go to church with, but like our brothers and sisters or brothers and sisters across seas and borders and boundaries, like that we are a body worldwide and we need each other. That's why we have missionaries. That's why we have pastors. That's why we have ministry teams. Like we want to be there for one another. And uh, I just pray that, that you would give us eyes to see when our brothers and sisters are in need and that you would give us a heart like yours that it would just break when we see people that need help and that, that we can look at ourselves and, and, and know that you've got our back so we can have theirs. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take a few moments to pray and meditate and reflect on God's word today as we respond. So the first question that we have that we want to ask this morning is, what is God calling you to? What is God identifying in your life that needs to change? Let's pray and ask that question today. God, what are you calling me to change in my life? God, we see the action that needs to take place. That if that part of our life is going to change, God, you're calling us to do something about it. To take action and to actually do something. That we don't want just want to be hearers of your word, but we want to be doers as well. And to follow and obey. So God, what is this action that you are calling us to? Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.